Hi, and welcome to Fusion Focused. I'm your host, Ella Fox Widows, a PhD student studying plasma physics for fusion energy. The aim of this podcast is to showcase some cool and inspiring experts within the fusion energy field, highlight the variety of diverse careers available within fusion, and chat with my guests about why they are passionate about fusion energy. Hope you enjoy. In this episode of Fusion Focused, I chat with Dr. Sam Gibson, a plasma diagnostician at the Cullum Centre for Fusion Energy. We talk about her research using the Motional Stark Effect Diagnostic, Sam's research collaborations in Australia and America, and her research at CCFE from an undergraduate summer intern to a plasma diagnostician. Hi Sam, welcome to the Fusion Focus podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. So to begin the episode with some background, what is your current role within Fusion? So my current role um, at UK AEA, which is the UK Atomic Energy Authority, um, is a plasma diagnostician, specifically a spectroscopy diagnostic fusion physicist, which sounds pretty complicated. <laughs> um, but really what it means is um, in fusion reactors, the plasma emits light of all wavelengths, um, lots of different um, wavelengths across the electromagnetic spectrum, which is really useful because we can then measure that and figure things out about how the plasma is behaving. Um, and very usefully, it, it emits light um, in the visible region, so the same as the sun. And it means that we can look at this using things like cameras and um, then we can determine things about the plasma. So um, that's mostly what my current role entails. Cool. And so to go back a little bit to the beginning of your journey, so from the start of your higher education to, to kind of now, you have an MPhys, a Master of Physics degree from the University of Durham. Did you always know that you wanted to study physics? And what was it that motivated you to want to pursue a degree in physics? Um, I think, well, when I was at school, I really loved maths. Um, I really enjoyed doing math problems, which is a bit nerdy, but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, loved maths, loved science, um, really interested in how the world works um how how things you know came to be on atoms and um sort of yeah interested in um figuring out problems um and one thing in particular i was interested in was sort of um energy like where we get our energy from how the energy sector runs in the the uk um what what is that going to look like in say like 50 years time um so yeah when i went into physics it to do my um, undergraduate degree, it was more, yeah, a love of science that got me there. Um, and then later on sort of decided, well, if I want to work in energy, how can I do that? And maybe um, something that was really hands-on because I love doing like experimental things. I love being in a lab, love optics and figuring things out um, with an Allen key. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And then your master's project focused on if I'm correct, the generation of ring traps for ultra-cold atoms. And so this sounds really interesting. Would you be able to explain what this involved? Yeah, so this is this is completely different <laughs> from fusion. Um, it's, you know, the other end of the temperature spectrum. So we're working with super hot plasmas, and this was working with um, freezing cold um, atoms. Um, so in my master's, I was kind of acting like um, an optician um, for a lens setup. So to be able to trap um, these experiments use um, lasers in order to trap um, individual atoms in um, 
in something called an optical trap. Um, and to do this, we need lots of different lenses, lots of different mirrors. Um, and sometimes um, really, really tiny deformities in these mirrors or in these um, lenses, which we call like an aberration, can, can really affect how long you can keep um, an atom in a trap. Um, so part of my master's project was basically figuring out um, using these special machines called um, a spatial light modulator. So this means we can change the properties of laser light to sort of fix some of these um, deformities, um, or to sort of counteract some of these um, um, imperfections in the lenses. So it's the same way as in if your eye doesn't focus very well, um, you use your glasses to sort of fix that problem. Um, and it's if the lens in the, in the machine doesn't um, focus very well, then we can use light to sort of fix that problem. Cool. Um, and that sort of got me started in really enjoying lab work um, and yeah. <laughs> Experiments, yeah. And during your undergraduate degree at Durham, you worked on a summer research project at the Cullum Centre for Fusion Energy, CCFE. What did this project centre on? So I think this came about because um, Durham has a sort of special interest in instrumentation. So this means um, particular machines that we put onto, say, giant telescopes or in um, biomedical labs or on fusion tokamaks. Um, the project was working on modeling plasmas, um, particularly for the next generation of fusion devices uh, like ITER. Um, and sometimes um, you can get these things called modes in plasmas and they sort of wobble around, if you imagine like a plucked guitar string. Um, and these can be really, really bad because um, you can end up with the walls of your machine melting because um, in these huge devices, the, um, it's extremely hot and yeah, you can you can melt the walls. So um, the project was like modeling plasmas um, and these particular coils um, inside the tokamak called um, resonant magnetic perturbation coils, which is a fancy word for sort of jiggling the plasma until you can stop it from producing these um, these modes or edge localized mode events. Um, so that was quite computational um, and I kind of enjoyed it because I got really good um, experience in, in modeling and programming. Um, and even as an experimentalist now, the programming side of it is incredibly important. So, <laughs> and, it, and I got to see sort of what a government lab looks like um, what fusion research is and got to go to some summer school um, talks and stuff. So it was a nice, it was a nice introduction to fusion really. And clearly this didn't put you off because after you finished your master's degree, you joined the UK Fusion CDT programme. Your host institute was the University of Durham, but the majority of your research was based at CCFE. Uh, did you always know that you wanted to do a PhD and why did you decide fusion for, as, the, as the subject to do your PhD on? Um, I don't think I always wanted to do a PhD, actually. Um, mm. um, I don't really know that much about doing a PhD at all because nobody nobody in my family had gone to university, let alone <laughs> done a PhD. Um, so I didn't really realise you could do that until like much later on in my degree. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, because I really liked the lab work and the experimental aspect of um, my master's project, um, that's when I thought, oh, maybe I'll do... Um, maybe I'll keep going in that sort of academic environment and, and do a PhD. You said that you were kind of more in, you had a love of science and physics, but you always had an interest in the energy problem. 
was this something that drew you to fusion um yeah i think so um i was really interested in in sort of what the energy grid might look like in 20 to 30 years time um and thought that fusion might be somewhere in that um energy mix um and it's sort of a new and exciting technology and um that's sort of really why i wanted to work on it it was something yeah really exciting and potentially game changing and Would you be able to give us a little bit of an explanation about what your PhD research was on? So for my PhD, um, a lot of my research was focused on um, looking at light from plasmas, um, looking at light in particular, um, at particular wavelengths, so um, visible light from the plasma. Um, And this can tell us things about how twisted the magnetic field lines are in the machine. Um, This is sort of really important to be able to maximize the fusion performance of a plasma um, is to understand how twisted the field the field is and where the current is inside a plasma as well. Um, so a lot of my research focused on different um, diagnostic techniques um, and instrumentation for fusion. Um, so looking at different, different diagnostics and how well they can um, measure the current inside um, a plasma um, in different regions of the plasma. Um, since um, the the plasma is so hot, you can't just stick a probe right into the center of the plasma. So mm. you need to be able to measure it um, another way. And one way of doing that is with with light from the plasma. Cool. That sounds really important. And then by diagnosing these, we can confine the plasma better. Yeah, like you said, get better fusion performance and get more energy out, hopefully, the end goal. And during your PhD program, you had several opportunities to research at international institutions so first you did a collaboratory project, which is a CDT project uh, at the Australian National University in Canberra. Would it be okay for you to give some context of what a CDT collaboratory project is and then what was your work at ANU focused on? Uh, yeah, so the collaboratory sort of focuses on trying to give you the skills um, that an academic might need to be able to write um say a proposal in the future say you want to get some money to be able to do a particular research project or um buy a particular piece of equipment so you write a proposal on um a topic or a research area that you're really interested in and and why that's really important um and then sort of approach these collaborators yourself which was the first time i've sort of ever done that before (laughs) Um, um and sort of give them pitch them your idea and then they will tell you if they're interested and then you can sort of go from there so um i was really interested in this new um type of diagnostic um so the name of my diagnostic is the emotional stark effect diagnostic or mse for short mse diagnostic um so at australia national university they had this new um diagnostic technique which used imaging um to be able to image light from the plasma um and be able to measure the current in 2d um so this would be really, really important. So then we can see um, exactly where the current is increasing and decreasing in the plasma. Um, And this was something I was really excited and interested in. So um, I approached the collaborators at um, ANU and they were uh, the world experts basically in this type of diagnostic. And they were like, yes, I would love to help you Mm -hmm. um, sort of design and come up with with one of these diagnostics for mass upgrade, um, which is the topic that I'm working on now. 
Um, so that really helped me because I got lots of lab experience with this diagnostic and um, sort of putting one together, deciding which bits are important, like what aspects to sort of focus on um, how to sort of get the best measurements we possibly could um, with the with the device. Um, uh, it was a great experience and absolutely loved being in Canberra as well. It was a really lovely place to visit. <laughs> and secondly, uh, you did some experience working on the D3D tokamak at General Atomics. What, what were the main aims of this research? So after I'd worked um, with ANE to sort of develop this diagnostic mass upgrade, um, I had a lot of skills and understanding in how this particular diagnostic worked. Um, and they had one which was running on the D3D tokamak. So I approached um, the people at um, General Atomics and said, um, please can I come and work with your experiment and um, analyze your the data from the diagnostic? And they were like, yes, I would love to want to come and do that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I spent some time over there during one of the experimental campaigns. Um, and I feel like out of all of the experiences I sort of had in my PhD, this one was um, the best sort of real world experience of running diagnostics and um, sort of real world machine experience, shall we say, mm. um, how many shots you can run in a day and like what the limits are of um, your diagnostic, which on paper look great. And then you actually put one on the machine and then you remember neutrons are a thing and <laughs> <laughs> can affect your camera and temperatures and all this stuff. So it, it was really good to have that sort of hands-on experience of, of working on a, a fusion reactor. And you're also involved in a lot of outreach activities. So why do you think outreach and, and science communication is so important? I think outreach um, is particularly important to um, ensure we get more underrepresented groups into science, um, um, particularly coming from um, doing like a, to get into Durham in the first place for my undergrad, I did like a, it, it was a supported progression scheme. Um, so this meant that like students from the local area um, like applied to the scheme and then as an as an access route into sort of higher education where they may not have been like afforded the opportunity otherwise. Mm. Um, so that's why I feel like outreach is really important so that um, the pathways for people like me um, always remain available for those to be able to go and do higher education, be able to go into science and engineering and computer science. Um, and yeah, just it means that we sort of work better when we have a more diverse group of people. Mm -hmm. um, so so for me, that's that's one of the main reasons why I think outreach is really important. Um, and also to give younger children an opportunity they might not have had. So um, I'm trying to think like when we went to um, we did like an outreach um, thing in Stockton and um, the kids absolutely were fascinated by um, these lasers and um, exciting fusion things and, you know, glasses to be able to see what the universe looks like. And it's like having that moment with a, you know, with a younger student who's like, wow, this is amazing. And I, I, I think I might want to be a scientist. Like it just makes you um, feel really happy and mm. I love that feeling so that's why I like doing outreach. <laughs> yeah I find it also very rewarding. I did a, a an activity at the Manchester Science and Industry Museum that was like a 
a sun exhibition for families and there was lots of little children and they were fascinated by the plasma ball and the lights on the plasma ball. It was, it was really cute to, to see all of these you know, starry eyed, like very excited children about, about plasma physics. <laughs> I love doing it with, um, I love doing outreach with adults as well. I know we always focus a lot on kids so that they can like, you know, progress into careers and fusion, but even, um, yeah, speaking to parents um, who were like, oh, I don't really understand anything that, you know, my children are doing because I don't understand the science. But, you know, you spend five minutes talking to someone, then they're like, oh, wow, like, I didn't realise that the UK is one of the <laughs> leading experts in fusion and this is how, like, a fusion reactor works. And, um, yeah, sort of um, opening the possibilities for um, for them to understand what, their kids are coming home from school and and talking about I think is is also really good yeah I really like that the the second part of that sun exhibition was like a a late night version where it was for anybody and there was lots of adults there and it was just when the Chernobyl series had come out um and people were asking like oh I've just watched Chernobyl is this what is this the same thing I was like no 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 and it was really nice to chat and kind of dispel some of those myths as well and and get people interested in fusion so day to day what does a day in the life of a plasma diagnostician at UKAA look like um <laughs> at the minute it's a lot of working from home <laughs> um a lots of programming um lots of data analysis um trying to understand what we are measuring um and when the machine is running um lots of time looking at the diagnostic um in the little cubicle and um checking the plasmas, see what they're running and whether that makes sense with the data and spend a fair bit of time in the lab. Um, I have something called a spectrometer, which is the device that we use to measure um, light from the plasma. Um, So sort of changing that setup depending on what the plasma is doing. So and aside from the diagnostic work, um, I started um, doing something called session leading. Um, So this is where um, you sort of get to sit in the hot seat and drive the machine, basically, which I think is my favourite part of the week. Um, <laughs> it's so exciting to be able to sort of program in the um, the plasma shot that you want to run and checking that everyone's ready to go and whether the, um, the scientific person in charge of a particular experiment is happy with what you've put in and then seeing whether what you changed worked or not. Like, I, I absolutely love doing that. That sounds awesome. I spoke to Emre recently, who's a student on the UK Fusion CDT, about what kind of job he wants to do after the, he finishes his PhD. And he said his kind of dream job is calling the shots on <laughs> on big plasma shots. So uh, it seems like you're living, you're, you have his dream job. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's, what, that's all I wanted to do, is to be able to drive the Tokamak. After I spent some time at JET, which is the, the biggest, I think currently the largest running Tokamak in the world, um, and seeing people, yeah, um, running the machine, I was like, that's my, that's what I want to do. I want to drive the machine. <laughs> <laughs> and then what are your favourite things to do in, when you have some free time? We recently got a garden, so <laughs> got into gardening, which is quite fun. Um, trying to grow something and grew some sunflowers, which was nice. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, reading, watching Netflix, um, really like um, crocheting. I really like doing mm. sort of hands-on sort of hobbies giving it a go embroidery even though I'm not very good (laughs) um I like formula one um going out with friends um going I really enjoy cycling 
but I've just started since we moved to Oxford started cycling more which is good good for me and good for the environment I guess <laughs> one of my 2021 new year's resolutions was to learn to crochet I've got a very small slither of crochet that keeps getting tangled that I've been working on oh, for, for a half a year so hopefully by the end of the year I'll have mastered it <laughs> I, I, I've like mastered the I can do a granny square even though it's not really square and it's more like a rectangle um and trying to do like coasters you know like in a circle mm. is actually quite difficult without like curling up um yeah made a hat no. well I did some knitting and made a hat um but yeah and I just have like a giant box which is full of like haberdashery <laughs> it's like yeah I'm gonna try that and then I'll spend like 40 minutes doing it and be like oh I can't do it very well <laughs> Pick it back up in six months. <laughs> and then for my final question, do you have any advice for anybody wanting to start a career in fusion? I would say that um, like my trajectory into fusion or into science in general is absolutely not the only one that you can do. Um, you don't have to do a PhD to be a scientist. Um, there are so many people at UKA who um, are engineers, um, technicians, people who are really highly qualified um, but, but don't have a PhD. Um, you could go on graduate schemes, apprentices, apprenticeships. Um, yeah, I would probably say there's, there are just many, many different ways into being a scientist and you don't have to rule yourself out because you you know, didn't do a degree at some top university or didn't do a PhD. Um, look for um, open days, any um, access schemes that you might be eligible for. The, the, one of the main, my motivations for this podcast is to showcase that there are many different routes into fusion and not necessarily just like plasma diagnosticians like Sam is, science communication and, and education outreach and working in private fusion companies, working at unis, there's, you know, many different roles that you can get. You don't have to just do plasma physics. Yeah, well, so many people who've done, um, like, science or um, fusion and then gone into something which is completely unrelated. So even if you do decide, ah, I want to do this very specific thing, you don't have to be tied down by that thing forever. You can, you have many different skills and you can just hop into something else. Um you have more skills than you realise, I think, is the, the main thing there. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Some really interesting advice and it gives a, a different perspective from your experience from going from Masters to all these international experiences that you've had to working at UKAA, calling the shots on, on the Plasma shot. <laughs> Probably not, not really calling the shot type, but <laughs> <laughs> enjoying myself, which is the number one thing. I, I just always want to be able to enjoy what I do at work um, and currently I am enjoying myself so that's great <laughs> I really enjoyed chatting with you Sam thanks so much for, for all your answers and thanks for joining me thanks very much loved being on the on the podcast thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fusion Focused if you'd like to know when the next episode will be released or would like to get in touch, you can find the Fusion Focus podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Fusion Focused. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next time.